Welcome to Passion Life Church. Simply about restoration and recovery. And I think it's so important, this promise that God has given us that so few people really know about or even taught about. And um, the reason why I know about this is because I have a good pastor in my life who digs into the scriptures. This was not something that I got from myself, although it is in the Bible, but I've learned it through my pastor and the teachings on restoration. And I'm hoping that as you understand restoration, that you'll put your faith around God's promise. Listen, not around Phil's words, Phil's preaching, Phil's style, not none of that. I'm talking about putting your faith around the promises of God. Come on, somebody. And restoration is a promise that God gives us. And I think it's such a great promise because a lot of us in our life have really experienced loss. I mean, the devastation for some people, you've experienced loss. And sometimes that loss can be because of, of decisions that we have made. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at an incredible thing that God does in people's lives. He'll do it in your life. But some of the loss is because of the decisions that we have made. Some of the loss is because of decisions that other people in our life have made that have been outside of our control. Now, sometimes it is a combination of both of those but there's other times that we are experiencing loss because the devil is attacking you because you have a destiny and a purpose. Anybody experience the attacks of the enemy? He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But we are confessing today, we are believing today that the enemy who stole will steal no more in our lives. Do I have anybody that believes that? And sometimes what happens is when we experience this loss, we experience it, experience it in our health. We can experience it in, in relationships that happen in our lives. And maybe there are some of you in here, even as business owners, you felt like you've experienced loss opportunities in your life. And let me just say this. I'm believing for specific things in restoration. As we talk about this, you should make a list of things that have been stolen from your life that you believe. You know, this promise also helps us and it's for people that have deceived you. If there's somebody who's deceived you, stolen from you, taken from you, God wants to repay. But I believe that there's a couple of years, even in our church, that, that we, just, we just had lost. People came in and did some things. And I'm believing specifically that God is going to restore that. So he can even restore opportunities. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he is a God of restoration. He really is. He is a God of better days. I have decided that 2020 is going to be better than 2019. I've just decided that. I've decided that. But when you live with this sense of loss, what happens is you can live with this void. And it actually feels like somebody has hijacked your life. It actually feels like you're not even the driver's seat anymore. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Because this loss is just so in depth and this loss is just so, so terrible that you feel like it's driving your life. And I don't want to let loss drive my life, especially when God has given me a promise, an abundant life that he's came to give us. But here's what we've got to do. And we've been saying in this series, we've got to open up our heart to restoration. We've got to open up our minds to say, God, you can do anything in my life and you probably will. I love that song today. It's the theme of our year. He will do wonderful things, miraculous things in our lives, but we've got to change our mindset. And let me just review with the scripture that we've been looking at. It's actually in the message translation in Romans chapter five, verse 17. It says, if death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine? Can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift that the grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus provides? In other words, we're going to have to start using our imagination in a different way because unfortunately, so many people spend so much time of their imagination letting it run wild on all the things that can go wrong. Have you ever met these people? Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. 
You know, you let your imaginations run while everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But I'm talking about like Peter talked about in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter three. He says, we've got to repent. What does that mean? That means we've got to change our mind. That's what really what repentance is. Changing our mind and thinking and allowing the imagination instead of thinking about everything that can go wrong. What about we start thinking about everything that can go right, will go right in Jesus name. So instead of using our imagination for everything that can go wrong, what if we applied our imagination to the promises of God and start to think about what restoration recovery in 2020 would look like for our lives, right? But here's what we do. Instead of just imagining all the good, we sit, we worry about things. We actually imagine uh, uh, worst case scenarios. But Pastor Phil, you say, Phil, how can you how can God bring restoration into my life? I, I can't imagine how. Let me encourage us today. The how is not our business. What our business is, is to put our focus in the promises of God and let's let God take care of all the details. But what I'm doing today is I'm trying to provide you a roadmap so you can put your faith in. But at the same time, I know for us as humans, what happens is we like to control every detail. We want to know exactly how God's going to do it. My church family, it doesn't work that way. What if we just believe that he can? And because he can, we know that he will. And I'll tell you why. Because this life that Jesus offers, when Jesus offers you something, it goes way beyond what you can even comprehend, even in your own natural thinking. And I've been praying for you this week because today I'm going to drop a bomb on you. Today I'm going to drop some gold on you that I believe if you will wrap your faith around it, it's going to propel you into 2020. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Joel chapter 2, verse 23. Are you glad you came to church so far today? You thought you were in an earthquake, didn't you? Just the base amp. Let's, I want to look today at how God promises not just to restore an event in our life, but he, he promises us to restore the years. The years. Joel's chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Be glad, then ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord. Somebody say, it's my choice, my choice. to rejoice. Come on, let's say it loud. It's my choice. To rejoice. So in Joel, he's telling us, the prophet is telling his children, be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord. Now, in light of the New Testament, we know when they talk about Zion, Zion is the word used for the church. So he's telling the church, be glad. Be glad. Why? Now, why can we be glad? Because everything's going well? No. Can we be glad because we've got circumstances? No. Here's what he says. People who are glad, and here's mature people, you know how to rejoice in the Lord, even though you've got a bunch of junk going on around you. Because my rejoicing is not ever in situations. My rejoicing is actually in the Lord. So if I can rejoice in the Lord, I can go through any situation because it's not that that is going to determine my joy. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice in the Lord. And so this is what he says. So he's talking to the church. Be glad, then you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. The actual translation there is faithfully. So he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause it to come down for you. The rain, the former rain. Somebody say the former rain. The former rain, the latter rain. Say the latter rain. The latter rain in the first month, verse 24, and the floors shall be full of wheat, right? The vats shall be overflow with wine and oil. And look at, this is where we get this promise, okay? In the Old Testament. Now, I've already given you in part one, New Testament. I would encourage you, if you do not have our app, it is free. Part one, part two is, is, is already there. You can download it. And let me just tell you, invest in yourself. Invest, know these promises so you can say, this is where I'm going to put my faith. It's not just a good series. It's not just what Phil's saying. It's Bible because we look at the New Testament in Acts when Peter talked about it. Now Joel is talking about it. And here's what he says in verse 25. And I will restore to you. 
I will restore to you the years, the years that the locusts had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I have sent among you. The translation there really in the Hebrew is if it was translated correctly, it would be the great army which came against you, verse 26, and you will eat in plenty. You will be satisfied and praise the name of your God that had dealt, ooh, there's a nice word, wondrously, wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. I want to read this verse because when you read the Bible, now we do this and I understand as we study the Bible and we theologians look at the Bible, that it's important that we read the Bible in context because we don't want to take one scripture out of context because if we take it out of context, right? But can I just encourage all of us? It is the whole Bible put together that is the word of God. Can I hear a good amen? I love this scripture. I would take this scripture. I would wrap my faith around this scripture. But here's what's even more incredible than just reading these scriptures and celebrating these scriptures is if you understand the context of what God is doing and wanting to do in the people's life. Because you look at here and he's telling them to be glad. These aren't people who are just moping around and going, feeling all emo and just like, yeah, I still feel like it today. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually talking to his people. And I'm going to tell you, when you look at this promise, it's almost think, it's almost easy to think, wow, this is really too good to be true. Who is he talking to? He must be talking to people who have their lives all together. He must be talking to people who have their ducks in a row. If you own ducks, their cats in a row, their dogs in a row, their gerbils in a row, whatever you got, your cucarachas in a row, whatever you, your flavor is fine with me. But it seems that he's talking to somebody who is already got everything under control. The truth is, is it's far from the truth. When you look at the context of this scripture, and this is why I want to break it down. Joel is talking to God's people, a tribe of Judah, but we know that this is for us because he mentions Zion, but he's talking to this people because they had become incredibly prosperous, but in their prosperity, they became complacent. And I have nothing against prosperity. I actually believe that if you follow the word of God, it will make your way prosperous, the Bible says. It will, and you will. And, and, and when we have this discussion, I, I like to have this discussion because there's this idea that the people of God should be poor because they take one scripture out of context and they say, we're supposed to be poor in spirit. In spirit. In spirit means that there's supposed to be a humility in my life that says, I am a sinner, I need a savior. It doesn't say that we're supposed to be poor in our pocketbooks. And let me tell you why. If you are poor, how can you help out the poor? How can you bless somebody if you're not blessed yourself? And so God gave a promise to Abraham and he says, I will bless you. Why? So you can be a blessing because you cannot give what you don't have. And so prosperity in its truest form, godly form, actually flows into your life like a river. It's not a dam, right, where the blessings come in and then we put up a dam because it's only for ourselves that block God's blessing. The true blessing is that God blesses me, but there's also another aspect of that blessing, and that is me being a blessing. God doing wondrous things and me being a wonder to somebody else. We've got, we've, got, we've got to learn that, right? We, we've got to learn that. But the, he was writing to them because what happened is they became incredibly prosperous, but they came complacent. And I want to tell you, this can happen today. This can happen today. Huh, I've reached my goal. I'm going to go sit on the couch. Most people quit after a victory. And you can't, that's why most teams who win the Super Bowl don't win again the next year, except you're the New England Patriots. But it, so most people that win and teams that win the Super Bowl don't win again. You know why? Because we're like, we got last year, last year, we won last year. The problem with last year is it ain't last year anymore. It's this year. And so they quit after a victory. So what he's addressing here is an incredibly prosperous people and God will make your way prosperous, but they became complacent. And I believe this speaks to us today but they not only became complacent, they actually became self-centered. 
And this, my church family, is what we have to guard against. They start, instead of being grateful for what God had done in their life, they started taking God for granted. And it happens today. They started to believe that their prosperity was because of them and not God. And here's what happens. When you do that, we see this today, you start worshiping the wrong things. You start worshiping your goals. You start worshiping your bank account, your savings. You can actually even start to worship your own gifts. Yeah, I'm just so talented. Flying to San Francisco this week because I'm just talented. Gotta hang out with all the talented people. So talented. What does that mean? I don't know. Don't define me. I'm talented. And so what we start to do is you start to worship your own talented self, gifted self. And it happens to people all the time, even anointed preachers, they start looking at themselves and we forget that the only reason we got what we got is because of God. And he's given us those gifts, right? Yeah, they're supposed to bless you, but come on, we gotta honor him, <laughs> praise him. Am I preaching good already? All right, good, because some of you are already starting to smile. It took you about 45 minutes, but it's all right. I can wait. So here they are in their prosperity. And this is what God does. People don't understand this. So he says, okay, you got this. I will stand here and I will watch you get this. And the locusts started to come in. The armies started to rise up against them. And guess what happened to God's people? They went from a great victory to incredible defeat, but not only defeat, they went into loss, devastation four years of crops, totally devastated. And God was there the whole time. This is what I love about this promise. When we talk about God's restoration, God is coming back to them and everything we just read, he is reading, he is saying to a disobedient people. Let me say it this way. He's saying it to people who have made bad decisions. Have you ever been there? And God comes to them and he says this, if you will change your mind, here's what I'm going to do for all of you. I'm going to make it rain again. I'm going to bring back rain to your life. I'm going to bring back where you are in tremendous loss, right? And here's where I just see the goodness and the grace of God. Because God could be like some of us, right? You left, you walk out, uh-uh, that's it. It's over. See you later. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. You out, I'm out. That's most of us. That's not what he says. He says, I've been here waiting and wanting you to come back to me. And if you'll repent, I want to bring restoration. Now notice this, God didn't make the wrong decision. His people did. He could have but even in the Old Testament, you see God's grace and his mercy and his willingness just to say, come back to me, come back, turn your imagination back to what I can do in your life, that I'm your provider. All those gifts for the talented people I've given to you. Remember that I want to be your source. And this is the promise that he made to the people if they would just turn back to him. See. And some of us may be here today, you've had tremendous loss and this is hard. I believe this is hard. When you realize that the loss that you had was attached to decisions that you made, that's hard to live with because you can't blame anybody else. You could, but at the end of the day, you go, that was my decision. And so instead of beating ourselves over the head and getting stuck here. God is waiting and he gives us a promise. So I'm saying all this to tell you today that no matter where you at matter, if somebody else made the decisions, if you've made the wrong decisions, God is still willing and waiting and he's presenting you a promise. And here's what he's saying. He says, I will restore. Are you ready? Even in the decisions that you made that were wrong, I am your God. And I want to bring back and restore to you all all the years, not just day, not just the time, the years that God, that you, that you even yourself has lost. Look at verse 23. 
And then he says this, for he hath given you the former rain. This is Joel talking, but God's talking to us. He says, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, faithfully, and he will cause it to come down for you, the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Now, here's what you need to know about rain. Rain in the Bible is, also, is used two ways. It's used literally. The rain, right, that's coming down. And I love the rain in Marietta because it rains for five minutes and then we're done. Come on, somebody. Right? And even in five minutes, people are wrecking on the freeway. It's like, oh, it's rain. I know. Come on. So those of us who moved from Texas, like, we went through that for like a month. We had monsoons and we're good. Like, rain. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to work today. So the <laughs> Some of you know those people. Okay, so... So it's used literally rain coming down from the sky. But in the, in, the, in the Bible, it's also used figuratively, which represents blessings and times of joy. And in verse 25, this is what he says, I will restore to you. I will restore to you. If it would have said there, I would restore to them, then here's what we have to do. We have to research and find out who them is, right? but that's not what he's saying. You, he said, I restore to you. That's a personal program. I restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. So God is saying to you, here is the incredible blessing when we turn to him and we repent of our small thinking, our sin, and we say, God, I want you again. He says that blessing and joy is coming to your life. Let me say that again, Passion Life Church, blessing and joy is coming to your life. Come on, can you receive that today? Blessing and joy is coming to your life. Says I'm gonna bring rain into your life. And this gets even better. And are you ready? Can you imagine? Listen, can you imagine because here's what he says, I'm gonna bring the former rain and the latter rain in the same month. So what does that mean? Here's number one for all of you incredibly astute note takers. Number one, God restores former and latter at the same time. Where'd you get that, Phil? I will restore to you personal, the years, right? And he says, I'm going to make it rain, the formal rain faithfully, and I will cause the latter rain to come down for you. Former rain, latter rain, when? In the first month. That's all at the same time. Watch, this should expand our thinking. I'll tell you why it should expand our thinking, because this is how we think about restoration. Are you ready? We think about this. We think, oh, I've had a loss. Maybe it was a one-time event in your life, right? And now we've allowed that one-time event to shape different events, maybe weeks, years, months in our lives that it has shaped this event. But so when we think about restoration, we go, God, I just want you to restore me, heal me. And so here, here's what he does. He will heal you. He will make you whole and he will restore you. But most people stop right there and say, that's good enough for me. That's awesome. But when God has a promise beyond what we think, then we've got to look at what he says. But he's, because he's saying, listen, I'm not just going to heal you. I'm not just going to make you whole, but here's what I want to do in your life. I want to actually bring back the fruit of those years that you lost. I want to bring them back to you. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? And so what are those lost years? They could be years of fruitlessness in our, in our lives, years that were loveless, years that were misdirected. For some of us, it was people cheated us out of things. Your business was stolen from. They were years even that you were without Christ. I have seen people hung out on drugs, strung out on drugs, get saved. And they would tell me when I got saved, my mind just wasn't where it was. See, now for us, we would go, man, thank you. I'm so God, praise God that they got saved. That's amazing. They're going to heaven. But God says, you don't need to stop believing there. You actually start to start believing that not only can I save you and heal you, but I can actually restore your mind. The Bible says he restores our soul. That you start to think right and not only think right and function correctly, but watch this. But the years of fruitfulness that you lost, 
God wants to bring into your today. My church family, that is so powerful. And you go, Phil, why, why aren't people talking about this? A lot of people aren't. And that's why it's important that you go to a good church that's showing you the Bible and showing you the character of God. Because it's not that you won't get into heaven if you don't believe this promise. It's that you will live on earth without heaven involved. I want to live on earth as it is in heaven. And if that's possible, why don't you believe for it? Why don't you believe for it? So God restores the former and the latter at the same time. And here's Pastor Phil, how does he restore the years? I can't tell you all, I don't understand it all, but I'm just gonna lay a map out for you today because God can actually reverse time. Why? Because he lives outside of time. It's because he lives outside of time. So watch this. Here's number two. So how does he restore the years? God restores the fruit of lost years. The fruit. Yeah, I got one. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you just go ahead. back there. Somebody got excited. Now, listen, I understand. I understand. I understand as we sit here and we go. Because here's what happens. Many of us are living with a loss. And you're good. You got here. You're pushing forward, right? That's good. But you still have this sense of loss. And it's not that you have anything to complain about, but God's saying, this isn't just about living a life that you go, well, I'm here. This is about living a life that God says, there is fruit that's old to you from what has been stolen. And God says, I wanna be the one to repay you for it. And if you will link your faith to his promise, he says he will restore lost years. Let me give you, uh, let me just break this down in a couple of ways. So the people of Israel lost four years of crops, right? Four years of crops. That is a huge loss. Now my church family, watch again, I think this is how we process restoration, right? Let's just say, I know you're not farmers, but let's just say you were a farmer and you lost four years of crops, right? You're, man, it's been, you, you just had drought, you, you have loss. Well, all of a sudden it starts to rain. Whoo, we're thankful for the rain. We should be thankful for the rain, right? And then all of a sudden the crops start growing. Growing. And this is what we say, whoo, God is restoring to me back my business. True, he is. But you know what? That's not all he wants to do is just give you the crop. He wants to restore the four years that, of the crops that was lost in your life. Come on, I wish you'd get a little more excited because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly. But can you imagine that? Or are you satisfied with settling and are you satisfied with status quo? Because if you are, that's where you will live. And you won't get your life back. You'll get somewhat of a life back. But I'm talking about today, looking and going, you know what? Man, I've suffered loss here. And God's going to bring restoration, not just for that one event, but he's going to bring the fruit that I have lost in those times. So all the fruit that you're lost have been lost. God is saying, look, I'm bringing back to your life. And here's what I'm doing. I'm merging all of the fruit from the four years that you lost with the blessings that I have now for you. So this is how he reverses time because it's almost like you didn't lose anything because when you step in today, he brings the latter and the former together for you, his child. Come on. I believe this is a good time to give him a good round of applause. So could I just give you a personal example? I'm going to anyway, because I have the microphone. I grew up, my family was very dysfunctional. I had a dad who came from Mexico, who barely spoke English, and a mom who was Polish and Italian, right? And so when I was born out of wedlock, so I never met my real dad, who I called my real dad, who's Puerto Rican. So I am Puerto Rican, Italian, and Polish. I call myself Tres Leches. Come on, somebody. And so I am Puerto Rican, Italian, and, and Polish. And I don't even know what that all means. So when I was born, my real father, who I've never seen, who's also passed away this last year, right? Uh, he, I've never met him, never even seen a picture of him. So I don't know what he looks like. So when my, I was born, my mom was already dating someone else who came into my life and adopted me. He was from Mexico. And so he barely spoke English. There was such a rocky relationship. Now I'm gonna tell you this. 
repeat my father, who I'm calling my father, who actually adopted me. And I found out I was adopted because one day I was at 14 walking into the living room and I heard my dad talking about uh, signing some new papers that we were getting something. I thought, good, we're getting a new dog. I'm so excited. And it turns out it wasn't that we were getting a new dog. He was signing papers to adopt me. But I didn't know that at the time because I grew up. And, uh, and so at that point, he wouldn't say this. And I think he would stand here today, although he's in heaven also. And he would say, I loved Phil with all my heart. He, you know, I, I did everything that I could. But I'm just going to tell you, when I found out I was adopted, there were some things in my life that I go, okay, so this is why I felt like I'm treated different. This is why I felt here I was treated different. And my brother and my sister were loved more than I was. That may not be been the case, but that's just the way I felt. Does that make sense to everybody? And I just want to, I'm trying to explain restoration to you because I feel like this promise is coming alive in me and maybe it'll help you. So growing up, I had a dysfunctional family. My father had a temper like a jalapeno. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so that was a good analogy. I like that. And, uh, and he was from Mexico. And I mean, and so there were times that um, we were beat. I mean, when I, when I came home with an F on my, on my uh, report card, my mom was like, that is not for fun. That means failure. And so uh, we would literally be taken into a room uh, with his belt. And there were times that my mom would have to come in and actually pry us off of, pry him off of us because we would have belt marks all the way up and down. Now, for some of you, like that was just normal in our house. We called that a beating. I know. But what I'm talking about when fists start to happen and things like that and, and knees start to be that, that we're not talking about a, a slight like the Bible talks about using the rod of correction we're talking about you're getting beat up and so I never had and I felt in my heart I've never had this sense of family I've never had the sense of what a family could be and then my parents went through a divorce they separated got back together and then went through a divorce. My parents remarried. And so I think because of the guilt that my dad felt, our relationship was never the same. Even before he passed away, he told one of our siblings that that was one of the reasons why he distanced himself from us. Now, here's the thing. We were trying to really make efforts to love and really make efforts to be attached to him. But because of his own guilt, right, he would push away. So as he would push away, that would also hurt us. Is it, does that make sense? Listen, I know this is not a therapy session, but I'm just telling you, it actually does feel good to talk about it, but I'm just saying. Um, so for most of the years of my life, I felt like I was dysfunctional in family. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So there was a loss that I lived with. And to say that that doesn't affect other relationships is not true because it affects other relationships. So here's what I had to do. I had to repent in my mind. What do you mean repent? I had to turn from my bitterness and turn to forgiveness. Because one night when I had a somewhat of a convert. My, my, my dad was very, even though he was a pastor, somebody put on our, our surveys one time that we did this last year. They said, we love the transparency of our pastor and how real he is. And then someone else put, yeah, I think he follows me around all day because he knows exactly what to preach about. No, I just read your Facebook pages. So anyway, um, no, I'm kidding, but he wasn't as transparent and you couldn't ever have a good deep conversation because there was always this wall. Up. Does that make sense? And I didn't know what it was. Maybe that's just protecting himself. I, I, I didn't understand that. But when we did have somewhat of a transparent relationship, he told me about his past, about his father, all those things. And then I began to understand how it all came together because he was never fathered. He didn't know how to father me and much less an adopted son. And I just want to talk about this for a second. I believe Christians should adopt. And I'm going to tell you why we should adopt because we have so much love to give. We have God inside of us, right? And I just want to encourage you. We, sh we should be adopting people. And I'm always thankful for that. I don't want to come up here. Our relationship uh, came back to a hole and, and, and we did have better days. And, and when he passed away, we, we had peace and all those things. But I'm just trying to tell you that as I stand here and look at this promise of restoration, it can make you upset to look at this promise and go, God can do all that. How is he going to work all that out? Well, here's the reality. As I was studying for this, right, 
I had to turn my mind from bitterness to forgiveness and let go. And let me tell you what that means. I had to relinquish every debt that I thought he owed me. Every debt. Well, he didn't put me through college. He didn't do this. He wasn't there at this. And for some of us, that's very vivid. And now I'm not saying I'm not for one to confess every sin, but there were things that were more personal to me. Does that make sense to everybody? I had to relinquish. He wasn't there. I I, I had to relinquish all of these things. I didn't have a true identity because your identity really comes from your father relationship, right? And all of these things I had to just relinquish and change my mind from bitterness to forgiveness. And when I changed my mind from bitterness to forgiveness, here's what I also had to do. I had to change my mindset from loss to restoration. And here's the first thing I had to do. I had to see God as my father who never leaves, never forsakes, is always right, always perfect, always corrects. He's always loving and is as equal loving he is in his correction. And he corrects because he loves. And I had to come to that sense. Folks, I did not even, I was not even able to pray Father, the, 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 um, uh, Jesus's prayer. I was not Father which art in heaven. I couldn't say that word because I was so bitter on the inside. I couldn't even pray right. I couldn't call Dad, my, God, my Father. So when I made this shift from loss to um, restoration, from unforgiveness, from bitterness to forgiveness, you know what happened? Is it literally God started to reign on my past. Listen, listen to this. He started to redeem the time. Now for me, it's today, but years ago it was our past. And here's how he did it for me. He started to reign affirmation where I needed approval. I tried to get it from girls. I tried to get it from my coach. I tried to get it from, and it still wasn't enough because I had a deep father wound. Does that make sense to everybody? And let me encourage you, only God can heal that. Only God can heal that. And ladies, I just feel to say this, you may be dating all these people and it's not even necessarily because you like them, it's because you're trying to fill a wound that's on the inside of you and it's just not working. And that has got to get healthy, but he began to reign affirmation where I needed approval. He began to reign approval approval when I was rejected. He began to reign healing in my hurt and he began to reign fruitfulness in the loss because the question I was scared about is when my wife gave birth to my son, Gavin, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I don't feel like I've ever been fathered myself. And I was scared out of my pants going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to be able to trust God because my history is not good. But here's what God does. He brings his promise into our lives. And he says, I will restore to you the years, not just an event, but I will restore to you the years. And let me say this. This is when he says, I will see a lot of people believe that God can But the question is, will he? This answers the question of will he? He can, and he says, I will. I will restore to you the years that the locusts. Now, this week as I was studying, I started to think back. And I believe this is for me processing restoration. I began to sit this week and think about, I'm not lacking one thing in my life. I'm not. When I look back at those memories, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I I can see the pain. But you know what? That has not formed my identity anymore. And I was sitting down going, and can I be open with you? Would that be okay? At the risk of sounding arrogant, I don't want to sound arrogant. I'm just trying to share my story. Will you understand that? I was on a phone call this week with someone and I was talking about what we do with our son and how my wife works. And I'm, I'm the Uber. Come on, somebody, you know. Somebody asked my, my, my son, who takes you, who, what bus do you ride? And I said, I'm the bus, <laughs> come on. And so I take him to school. I bring him back. I do all, I'm a lot because of the way that we run. I run the church. She runs, uh, you know, she, she's a therapist. And so all of these things. And this person said on the phone, they said, and it was a female. So she said it this way. She said, oh, you're 
you're such a good dad. And she kept talking and I got stuck there. Because I was like, what? What, what? And I'm thinking, have you ever had that happen? Like you're in a conversation, someone says one thing and they keep going and you're like, I'm, I'm stuck here. And she said, you're such a good dad. I am not a perfect dad. I'm doing my best. But what I'm saying to you today is that God can still restore. And I think part of what he's doing right now is even in my own family. I've never had a sense, such a sense of family, of intimacy. And I believe that how is he restoring the fruit of all those years? He's doing it in the family that we have right now. Come on, somebody. And so again, I, I, this is, listen, this is not a humble brag, it's, it's nothing. But we go through my son's papers, right? Because when they get graded, we go through his papers. And so he had to write a paper on, on who he thought was a superhero. And so guess who he picked? His mom. No, I'm kidding. So, no, she is, she is great. She's great. She's awesome. You'll see that. Three off there. Um, but would it be okay if I read what he wrote about me? Because for me, this is a trophy of restoration. And he put this. So he put my amazing dad, Gavin Valdez. My dad is a superhero. He has many superpowers. And when I was reading this, I was like, who are you talking about? So he's like, and one of his superpowers is he takes care of me when I'm sick because I have to stay home because sometimes I have trouble breathing. So my dad gives me breathing medicine to help me and my, my strength and give my strength back and feel good. Now, let me just say this, his, my, my wife does that too. All right, but your birthday is tomorrow, Val, but today I'm gonna read this for me. Okay, so he says this, he says, so my dad gives me breathing medicine to help me, give me strength back and make me feel good. My dad makes me feel safe like a superhero would. And my dad's superpower is he's very funny. I love that, I love that one. My dad ran one day and he ran and jumped on the bed and he slid off like a seal on a cliff. I was thinking in that moment, couldn't you think of a skinnier fish? Like, I don't know if the seal It was one of the funniest days. I, I actually did run and I ran full speed and I jumped on the bed, but I just slid right off. And he must have laughed that day so, so hard, right? Now, I'm, now, let me just tell you this. We didn't have a lot of laughter in my house. If that would have happened to my dad and I laughed, I would have gotten beat. I'm just telling you this because it's, it's such a, so, so different. Right? And he says, so my dad fell off the, the cliff like a, a skinny dolphin. And, <laughs> and I still laugh at it four years later. And he makes up silly songs. And then his teacher put, must be nice having a super dad. I have one of those too. His, his, uh... So I'm gonna probably frame this because to me, it is a trophy of restoration. Now I want to say this to you. Before you start to think in your imagination, well, he does that for you because you're a pastor. My church family, I have to believe these promises just like you do because I got the same stuff going on. And for some of you, it's been a lot worse, but I want to tell you this, his promises are true. His promises are remain. In our remaining time together, let me just share some things with you. The word restore means to cause safe because a lot of times with loss, we experience fear, but the word restore cause safe. It also means to cause you to be completed, completed. Only God can complete you to be at peace with one another. The Bible says, and this is what he says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. My church family, only God can do this in your life. Only him. I love therapy. I love all those things. But can I just tell you the deep wounds, only God can not only bring healing, but restoration and restore the years. Now, 
I want us to look out for some stuff because he says, I will restore the years that the locusts have promised you. So Joel starts to give us this word picture of what happened, right? The, he's describing the locusts. And I want you to identify these locusts in the time that we remain. Identify the locusts because we have to make a decision. We're not going to live with locusts. Come on, somebody, right? And so the locust represents a day, a time, a season of destruction. And what's interesting thing about the locusts is locusts, they appear suddenly. Whew. Now, we don't really have them in these parts. These are other parts of the world. But locusts appear suddenly. Boom. And what they bring, sometimes they say that there can be up to a million, even a billion locusts that come in at one time. And they will leave absolute devastation. They have found that even tree bark has been eaten by locusts. I mean, they come suddenly. They disappear suddenly. And they look chaotic, but what happens is they're really well organized. And when they're gone, there is a total loss. And I love that Joel gives us this picture. And let me just show you, because he says, I'm going to restore the years to you, right? That the locust, and then he says the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, right? I thought those were all three different worms, but they're not. They're actually stages of the locust. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe for the promise of God, but we're also going to take a stance against the locust. And if we can see how they they come into our lives, maybe we can minimize that loss. But he says this, the first stage is the canker worm. That's the creeping stage of the locust. Nobody likes creepers. And this right here is the canker worm. It creeps. So it's not flying yet. Watch, because it's not real visible. See, sometimes when the enemy's coming against your marriage, or it's not real visible. He creeps. He creeps how? Through contention, through, through arguments through disagreements and you got to, here come the locusts. You got to know they're creeping in. Here comes the locusts. So we need to pay attention to the creeping because that creeping can bring destruction. Can I hear a good amen? And then there's the caterpillar. This is the next stage of the locust development. It's bigger. It moves quicker. It eats more and it consumes more and the destruction increases. Again, the caterpillar is not flying, but it is chewing. It is starting to eat out. And some of you have areas right now in your marriage, in your life, and it can actually even be in your health that are starting to eating at you. It's like the locusts are coming in. Say this, say, I'm not going to live with the locusts. And then here's the palmer worm. It's the gnawing locusts, right? The not, now this doesn't usually devour the whole crop, but it just starts to really affect the crop and it starts to gnaw at it. And many of you can be in this stage right here. And so God paints this picture. Why? Are you ready? Whatever stage the locusts are at in your life, he wants it to stop and bring restoration right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, give him a good round of applause. I want to stand up against the locusts and believe for recovery. How do we access this promise? By faith, my not by your works. What do you mean? Well, they had all messed up in, this, in the context of the scripture. They had all had their sin. But he was saying, if you'll repent and you'll put your faith in that. And this is what he says. I love this. In verse 26, he says, and you will eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of your Lord that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. My church family, here's number three. The greater the loss, the greater the restoration. Let me say that again. The greater the loss, the greater the restoration. The greater the loss, the greater. We're, come on, why don't you clap like you're getting it? Because I really believe you are. The greater the loss. So let me just end these few moments. I like to look up these Greek words, these Hebrew words, excuse me. Satisfied means this. Now, I want you to think about it. Here's someone who's totally lost. And you may be here. This is what God wants to bring to your life. The word satisfied means to be filled, to have too much. Why does God want you to have too much? So you can be generous with other people. So he says, you go from loss, this word satisfied in the Hebrews, to be filled, to have too much, to enjoy his presence. That's what I'm praying, that God will restore the joy of your salvation in his presence. And it says from destruction, 
to having too much. This is the kind of recovery God has for you. And then he says, you will eat in plenty. I love this because it actually means you're going to start to eat up space, right? So the locusts come in and they're eating, they're gnawing. But when God brings restoration, you may have taken a couple steps back. But what he's saying now, even in your business, you're going to start taking space. You're going to start taking territory. Come on, under restoration now, you're not just going to come back to unity or par. You're actually going to start moving forward and taking space, claiming space. The, the, the space that you've lost. And now God wants you to even have more. And then the Bible says he has dealt wondrously with you. How does he deal wondrously with you? He takes a people who are sinful and he provides a savior for us so we can live in fellowship with his father. We make bad decisions. And yet what he does is when we repent, he lavishes us with restoration. And the word says wondrously, he's done something extraordinary for your life. And my church family, God can do anything. He can do far more than you can even imagine or think. Do I have anybody that believes that today? And I want to end with this one. Are you glad you came to church today? Now, I'm going to read this last one, um, but let me just encourage you. This message will be up this week. You need to listen to it and listen to it. Well, that just sounds like brainwashing to me. Listen, I wonder what you run through and have on repeat anyway in your mind. But what if we pause that and we start putting thoughts of restoration of eating in plenty, God satisfying, bringing and restoring the years into our life. And let me just say this before I read this last one. There is a world out there that needs to know that God restores. There's a world out there that needs to know that they're not too far gone for God to do something in their life. And you, may, you need to hear that today. Some of you who, I'm just too far gone. No, you're not. But then he says this, and you will not be ashamed. You will not be ashamed. Looking backward, you're not going to be ashamed. Looking forward, you're not going to be ashamed. That's what it means. You will not be disgraced or found guilty. God will take care of what has happened to you. He will take care of your past. He will take care of your future. And you and I as children of God, fully restored, can live without shame. Come on, somebody, or worry. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? God restores the former and the latter at the same time. God restores the fruit of lost years. And the greater the loss, the greater the rest, restoration. Would you say this with me? Say, I'm getting my life back. Come on, say, I'm getting my life back. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.